0: Welcome to the Pikes Peak Christian Church Sermon Podcast.
1: Um, we're gonna, uh, Before you dive into the sermon this morning, I want to take a little, little bit of time to have us gather together around something that's pretty big in the world. If you watch any of the news, you know that about a week ago, there was a big earthquake um, in Nepal. And if you don't know where Nepal is, it's a little country sandwiched between India and China, um, a, a strong Buddhist um, country. Um, country that really needs the Lord. A lot of missionaries are serving in that region. And uh, here are just some pictures of the devastation. It just, it just was massive. And the, the death toll is, is 6,000 plus. It's pretty hopeless now that they'll find any more bodies in the rubble. But you can imagine when, when a country maybe is a little poorer and the infrastructure just crumbles, um, how long it's going to take to rebuild and the the families that are in pain and grieving. So you might wonder, like, well, what can we do? We're on the other side of the world. Well, there's really two things, I think, primarily that we can do. Number one, of course, is to pray, and secondly... To give, And this week I'll send out an e-letter and, and give some links that have, if you uh, desire to help contribute to some of the relief work or some of the missionary serving, you might, uh, you might choose to give to one of these organizations. But today, right here, I thought it's very appropriate. This is what the church needs to do to be praying for those that are suffering around the world. To pray for those that are missionaries and um, service organizations that are going in uh, right now just to rescue, to repair, to heal, to bring basic needs, to, to bring water Um, food and those things for the grief of the families that have lost a father and kids and and for businesses that have been destroyed the livelihood you know how are these people going to make money now their business was destroyed I don't know Um, but we have got to pray for them so I'm just going to ask you if you would with your with your heart just join me as we pray for the nation of Nepal today Father, our hearts go out. We know that you grieve for the brokenness in the world. And Father, literally, there's a lot of brokenness in Nepal right now, physically and emotionally and spiritually. And we ask, Lord, that, that you would bring grace and that you would bring mercy to those people. We pray for those that are um, missionaries and the churches that are in that region, Lord, that you would bless them. And Father, we pray for resources to flow into that region to help provide the basic necessities for these people. And Lord, would you bring healing to the heart that's broken over the loss of a, a loved one? Um, there's... there's Thousands of people, Father, who've died and homes are are ravaged because of this. Father, would you bring healing as they grieve during this period of time over their great loss? And Father, we pray that you'd bring restoration and I pray that this would be a great avenue for the love of Christ to be shown, um, flowing in from people all around the world to show that Jesus cares for them. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Well, today we're, we're beginning a new series, and just to give you a little background if you're pretty new to the church, uh, we have a pretty simple mission statement as a church is to help more people more often say yes to God. It begins with the journey of just surrendering our lives to God, but it doesn't end there. It's, it's just continually listening to the Lord, hearing his voice in our lives and conforming our lives to his will. So we constantly say yes. I'm still learning to say yes in my relationship with the Lord. And within that, we have within our vision as a church, how that plays out, there are four critical areas. We call them critical success factors. That's a business term. But it really means, how do we know if we're making that happen? And so we have four things that we really focus on. One is to connect seekers, that that people who don't know Jesus come to know him, enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ, enter into a connected relationship with the local body, his body called the church. Secondly, to grow believers, to help you understand the Bible, to understand what God's will is for your life, to grow in your faith to go stronger and stronger than to strengthen families uh, as a point of application our, our spiritual growth takes place in the context largely of family life, in our marriage, in our parenting, and so we live out our faith within our family, and, and we want to make sure that we're passing on that faith to our kids and to our grandkids. And then this last year, we added a fourth element, because sometimes we forget this, it's impacting communities, and that it's not just about us, and it's not just about our families, it's about us being equipped then to go. This is kind of like the huddle, and when you're gathered as a home, you're kind of like in the huddle there too, but then we break out, and we, we impact the world, we love a broken world, we help point people to the real hope, which is Jesus Christ. And so today we're beginning a series. It'll take us through the month of May and first week of June called Losing Your Marbles. That's why you see this big jar of marbles up here. It's about parenting. And, and really, this is a topic that even though it's focused on parenting, which is strengthening families, it affects all of those, those four areas because when we talk about connecting seekers. Seekers and believers both have a need for help in their family. And when you start realizing how audacious the task is, you realize you need the Lord to help you. You realize sometimes that you need forgiveness from the Lord for your failures. And so it helps to expose your need for Jesus Christ. It also gives us a real platform for our spiritual growth. If you can live it out at home, I I can pretty much guarantee you're living it out in other areas of your life. And, of course, impacting the communities. What better thing can we do for our communities than help the families within our communities? I really think across the nation, if we could just help families do what families were intended to do, we would solve a lot of issues within our culture. And so we're going to do that for the next several weeks. Now, everybody here has something in common. Somebody cared for you enough to bring you into this world and get you to the place where you are today. They've invested in you to make you, in large part, the person you are today. And many of you today have uh, taken the role then of becoming parents yourselves, or maybe now your grandparents, or some of you, uh, your parents to be. Someday you'll be a parent, but all of us have a connection to parents. And whether you think this sermon series will apply directly to you, what you'll find is there are a lot of principles within this series that apply to marriage, apply to friendship, apply really to any single relationship. But we really want to put a laser focus on our relationship with our kids because there are six things every every kid needs. Now, Friday night, I have the privilege of babysitting um, my son's girlfriend's little boy. She's got a one-year-old. And so there's a little bit of an issue with him detaching from mom. And so, they went out for dinner, and I have this little one-year-old, and uh, for 30 minutes, there's nonstop crying. And that's just me. <laughs> that's just me. And uh, this little guy, you know, he's having a hard time being without mom. But you know what? You know, he, he didn't want to play with toys. He didn't want to um, be held by me. Didn't want to eat food. I mean, it was getting really hard to watch the NFL draft where I had this little kid screaming next to me. And so... Um, But he got tired out after after a while. He was playing. He was walking up the stairs, crawling up the stairs. And you know, there was this moment after about two hours where he's just kind of exhausted, and I could tell he's getting sleepy. So I take him in my arms, start bouncing him a little bit. He's getting droopy, and so I get on the rocking chair and I just start rocking this little boy back and forth, and he kind of melts. You know, as a parent or grandparent, that feeling when a child just melts on your shoulder, where he's, he's warm and he's cuddly, there's no resistance, he's just kind of leaning on to me. And, and I looked down, and I thought he was asleep, but he wasn't asleep. His eyes were open. And I was just there rocking this little boy, and you know what? You guys, if you're a mom, you know it, but even us dads, that is a precious moment. It's a precious moment to hold a child and you realize all this potential right here and I want so desperately for him to know that he is made in God's image. And that he has a great future ahead of him if he walks with the Lord. I want him to know how special life is and I recognize in that moment of holding this child that parenting is a sacred privilege. It may, it may be the most sacred privilege we have in our lives to pass on the values, the truths, the faith that we have to the next generation. When we have kids, it reminds us of who we once were, that someone once held us and rocked us, and someone once believed in us of who we would become. And having children also reminds us of how God looks at us, of how God looks at us as being his children. It reminds us that of all the things we do in this world, there is one thing, and it may be the most supreme thing, that that tells us you have a purpose For your life and it's wrapped up in that little bundle called your child and so we want to talk about that today we want to talk about that over the next few weeks and so i'm going to ask you to pray with me today whether you're a parent grandparent um, whether you have influence on kids in, in a number of different ways maybe you're a school teacher that you would pray that god would use you to give a child one of the most valuable things that they need So Father, we pray today that you would open our hearts, that you would open our minds, that you would encourage our wills to be engaged with our kids and the kids that we cross paths with, to let them know they're made in God's image, that they have a future, and Lord, that we would invest in them in ways that would direct them toward you. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Here's what you need to know, that over time, you are making a permanent imprint on the life of a child. And that really is the theme of this whole series, that over time, you're making a permanent imprint on the life of a child. And that word time is a key word, because time is a friend. You know, the clock is on our side. The clock has two hands, and we need all the hands we can get to help us in parenting. And, and time is one of those friends that comes along beside and, and, and gently nudges us with a sense of urgency, but not panic, a sense of urgency to move toward the desired goal. Time is something that can work for us. Sometimes we, we get um, too focused that, man, every moment's got to count. And we overestimate that that, that moment's going to make the biggest difference in the world. And I think sometimes we underestimate, on the other hand, the value of consistent parenting, consistent things. It may not seem out of this world, but over the course of time, that consistency makes an impact. Psalm 90, verse 12 says this. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. We've got to count our days, count our time, know how much time we have, and use time for a good purpose. See, God uses time for his purposes. I just want to give you just a real quick snapshot of how God uses time. He uses time to reveal things. The Bible is a book of revelation. Piece by piece, we have this story of Scripture unfolding and the prophets speak, and, and the writers tell us of what God's will is. It's called Revelation which means to reveal. It's like a curtain opens and then another curtain and then another curtain opens. And you know, the reason it does it in stages is we're not ready all the time to receive all that God has to give. We're not ready to receive everything God would want to dump onto us. Even through biblical history, the people weren't ready for all that God had for them. And so God, over time, unfolded his plan. In 2 Timothy, and by the way, I made a couple mistakes in your scriptures. I don't know how I did this, but it's 2 Timothy chapter one, not 1 Timothy. And here's what it says there. It talks about the grace of the Lord. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time, but it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus. We've been telling you about grace, the Bible says, but now you really see it. Now you see it in flesh and blood with Jesus Christ. It's an unveiling over the course of time. God uses time to orchestrate things. When when a big task is undertaken, it requires a coordination of a lot of moving parts. And so God uses time to bring the right people to the right place at the right moment with the right resources. And you look at Scripture, how God oftentimes used those things over the course of time. It might have been the political climate. It might have been the language of the people, a certain king that was in power, the economic conditions, the infrastructure that was available, even weather all those things come into play as God unfolds his plan. In Galatians chapter 4, verse 4, it says, when the set time had fully come, God sent his son. It's like there was a clock moving. And when the time had come, and some of your Bibles would say in the fullness of time. That means that, that God had a clock that was ticking when everything was in the right place at the right time. Maybe the language and maybe the Roman, Roman um, leaders in power and all the things were in the right, he said, okay, now's the time for my son to be born. God uses time to grow things, to grow things. Every living thing takes time to grow, whether it's a plant, whether it's your dog or your kids. They take time to grow And sometimes we want to hurry that growth. We wish, you know, that that tree would grow right now. I want the shade or I want the fruit right away. Um, You know, we like the puppy, but we want the puppy to get beyond the puppy messes. So grow up fast. And we want the baby to sleep through the night and be potty trained. And we want them to grow. But then there are other times where we say, I wish they'd slow down. I wish they wouldn't grow so fast. But it takes time to grow things. There's times I wish I could go back. I really do. I wish I could go back sometimes and be that little boy. And just be carefree. And, and just eat peanut butter sandwiches and go play with my friends. And There's times I feel like I want to do that. There's times I feel like I, I want to go back to the early days of my marriage to experience young lung love all over again with the knowledge and wisdom I have now at this stage in my life. There are a lot of times I wish I could go back and parent my kids differently. I really wish I could go back when my kids were little. And You know, there's things I would do differently if I, if I had the knowledge and wisdom and the biblical understanding that I have now I wish I could go back, but I can't. That's one, one thing about time. You cannot rewind the clock, but you can take advantage of the time that you now have. It's interesting that, that time makes everything grow older except for one thing. You know what that is? Spiritual growth. Because the Bible says that outwardly, we get older, we waste away, but inwardly, it says, we're being made new day by day. Spiritual growth can enable you to be alive and and fresh and vibrant in your spirit. In fact, when this body dies and and I go to be with the Lord and the the Bible says I'll be clothed with a new garment that will never die and grow old, my spirit will continue to grow. Spiritual growth doesn't end. And so we pour ourselves into the spiritual growth of our kids. We want to see our grandkids. And some of you, as you invest in your kids and, and you watch them, you feel like, man, I don't know if I made much difference in them. I don't know. But the Bible reminds us there's a time coming. There's a time to plant seeds. There's a time to sow and there's a time to cultivate and there's a time to water. But then you gotta watch them grow and then the harvest time comes. In Galatians chapter six, verse nine, it says, let us not become weary in doing good for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. You have to to wait till the harvest time. It takes time. And then one other thing that God uses time for to embed things. It takes time for things to sink in. How many of us have had lessons that you've had to, you know, fail again and again or get hit over the head a few times before it finally sunk in? Some of us are pretty thick-skinned, and it might not be until we become parents. It might not become until we've failed in a marriage a time or two, and we finally realize that, you know, my spouse wasn't the full problem. I was part of the problem, and I need to change. And so we're, we're thick, and we need to learn, and we need to grow, and it takes time. And even, it, even with parenting, it takes time to invest in our kids and to teach lessons over and over and over again. That's why in the book of Deuteronomy, there's a beautiful passage written to parents. It's, it's as, the, as the Israelites are moving into the promised land, they're, they're, they're learning from the Lord what's priority. And he says to love God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then he says... To the parents, these commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. The word when just reminds us there's a time. There's times to embed things in our kids. It says take advantage of those opportunities. When they get up, through the day, as you travel, as you sit down to eat, when you tuck them into bed, take care of all these different moments that you have because you have time to impact your kids. So God uses time to fulfill his purpose. And he gives us time as parents to do the same. So how do we do that? How do we use our time purposefully? Uh, First, we've got to visualize the time that we have. There's always this tension between um, I've got all the time in the world to I've only got a little bit of time left. And when the kids are little, we think it's going to be forever. When they get closer and closer to graduation or college, we start to get a little panicky. Did I do the things I needed to do? When you think about a clock, you, we we look at clocks for different purposes. But I think one of the main reasons we look at clocks is to know this: how much time do I have left? When you're in sports and you're dribbling the basketball and you're looking at the clock, you're not looking at how much time has elapsed. You're looking at how much time do I have left? You've got a 24-second clock or if you're football you've got I think it's the 35-second clock. You've got these clocks going down and so you're always looking, how much time do I have left? How much time do I have left? Do I need to hurry? Do I need to panic? And in a sense, time works like that. We look and say, how much time do I have left? How, how many weeks, how many years do I have left to invest in my kids? That's why the scripture says, number our days, that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Number our days. We count what's important. You look at your bank account, you want to know the, a number, right? I want to know what number's in there because that number matters, and so we count what matters. We put in the bulletin every week um, how many people were baptized. Why? Because that matters. We put in there um, the attendance for the week. And some people say, like, well, why, why would you put an a, a attendance number in a church bulletin? Because we want to know, are we reaching people? Are, are more people hearing about the Lord and growing in him? It's because every number matters. Every number represents a person, and they count. So he says, count your days. So what would happen if we as parents and we as grandparents visualized the time that we have with our kids? We took this big jar, and in this jar are 936 marbles. 936 marbles. Why that number? Because from from birth until a child turns 18, there are 936 weeks. And what if we did this? What if we looked... At a jar like this, when we gave birth to a child, and every week, we took one more marble out of this jar. Now, it looks like there's an infinite number of marbles at the beginning, but over time, it gets smaller. Now, I've also put a, a jar of little Super Balls here because you can see these better than these marbles. So this is a little more uh, visual, but there's, there's 400 here. 400. That, that would be about eight years of a child's life. And this one, this is one year. 52, mar- 52 balls, 52. 52 weeks in a child's life. There are some parents in our church that have a child and say, you know, I've got this many marbles left until my child goes off to college. And all of a sudden, this looks like forever. This puts a little bit of urgency in our lives. What would, what would happen if we began to, to count the days? Now, I know that you can't make every moment count. That's unrealistic. Every moment, that's impossible. That's impossible. And, and even every day is tough because, I don't know about you, but there are some days as my kids were growing up that I actually didn't see them. I, I'd be working, I'd go to meetings, I'd come home, my kids were in bed. And, and it's really hard, sometimes you travel. So even, even trying to do something every day might be hard, though I think it's good to have interaction with your kids every single day. But what if we just did this? That if we said every single week, I'm gonna make a point to make an investment in my child's life. Now you could put in special colors. Like these orange balls. The reason you see orange in here is there's 18 of those. And they represent birthday balls. And you only have 18 of them while they're in your house. And we had a daughter that went off to college. Actually when she was 17. We only got 17 of those. And we never celebrated a birthday with her again. Because she was always off in college. Or, or she got married. Now she's in Tennessee. We don't get to celebrate her birthday with her. We just had those 17 and you could even put other color balls in there to represent special days like yellow, a yellow ball for when a child starts school, a green, um, a green ball when the child has a first job when they're gonna make some dollars, a blue ball for the day they accept Jesus and get baptized. Maybe you put a gold ball in there for their graduation or a black ball for their driver's license. Somehow to remember, you know, I've got so many moments to to share with my child. And you know, it gives us a sense of of urgency by taking a marble out every week. And here's a second thing we can do to make most of the time. Make weekly investments. Make weekly investments. Every time you take a marble out, it it brings a little bit of a, a conviction. It asks you the question, what have I done this week intentionally to impress something upon my child? And you know what? It doesn't have to be a major event. It could be, you know what? We had a good talk about the Lord this week. We, we had some, some good prayer times before bed. Maybe you went with a, a walk with your child. Maybe you shared a Bible story or a, a scripture reading. Maybe you just talked about a serious life issue. Maybe you just shared a, a happy experience. You played catch, went for a bike ride, uh, watched a movie together. Maybe for some of you, and even for your child, one of the most significant events is we just sat and snuggled on the couch. But you know, in your mind you're saying, I intentionally invested in the life of my child this week. Some of you do this really well, and you deserve a sticker because you do it so well. But some of us, like me, need to be reminded by a tool like this to invest in my child because it's easy bringing kids into the world. But we're not just to bring them in, we're to bring them up. We've got to bring them up. We've got to invest intentionally in them. Here's something else we can do to use time purposefully. Take advantage of weekends and special occasions. Monday through Friday in the home of uh, of a family that has kids is pretty chaotic. From the time that alarm goes off to getting the kids out of bed, to getting their breakfast, getting them dressed for school, um, rushing them off to school, and, and maybe mom or dad getting ready for work. Everyone's going in a hundred different directions. After school, there's activities, there's sports, there's clubs, there's, there's chores to do, there's groceries to buy, meals to fix. When you get home, you know, all the different things that are going on in the house, it's just chaos from, from morning until about 8 o'clock or 8.30, 9 o'clock at night, and parents are exhausted and kids are tired. But the weekends, the weekends are made for family. The weekends are a beautiful time to gather as a family, to do things that you couldn't do the rest of the week. Now, you may say, well, but pastors, Saturday's my chore day. Saturday's the day to clean the house, or rake the leaves and do all that stuff. That's okay. Do you know that you can have a great time with your kids doing chores? You know, it actually is fun to have mom and dad and the kids all together going outside and trimming hedges, raking leaves, Putting them in the bay, because in those moments, all of a sudden, fun things start to happen. You start to jump in the leaves and you start to joke and you learn to you learn work ethic. And it's just doing something together. And and then maybe if you're not doing chores, you say, you know, we're gonna go to the mountains. We're gonna go out for ice cream today. And you just make a point that we're gonna do something as a family at this time. And not only are Saturdays critical, but I think Sundays are just as critical. I love Sundays. We slow our calendar down on Sundays. It's all about people. It's all about food. It's just relaxing, and it's very relational. And don't underestimate the power of even that little bit of time at church. I, I think families have the greater influence over kids because they have the most time, but I would say the church has the most concentrated influence on kids. You have a child that comes to youth group or comes to Sunday school or comes to church every week, hour, hour and a half, every week, 40, 50 weeks out of the year, that, that time is very significant in steering their spiritual growth. It's a great investment. So, so make the weekends count. Make them something that's beautiful. We have a view of, as a church that we want to create orange. And orange is simply this, that when families, and at your home, home is where the heart is, that's red. When families come together with the church, and the church is the light of the world, we call that yellow. When red and yellow meet, they form orange. And when we as a church are orange, it means that parents and the church are really trying to accomplish the same things with their kids. We want to work together with you. Here's here's how else we can use time purposefully. Value quality interaction. God's been teaching me more and more, even lately, the power of face-to-face or shoulder-to-shoulder interaction. When Jesus chose his disciples, the Bible says he chose them to be with him. And so for three years, they walked with Jesus, ate with Jesus, watched him talk, watched him minister to people, and you just know during those three years of time that they got to ask Jesus anything that was on their mind. Hey, Jesus, why'd you do this? And what do you think about that? And they just got this casual time with the Lord. Our our kids want that time with us. It doesn't have to be real structured. Sometimes it's just casual quality interaction. And I think oftentimes that the things that matter most to our kids... We didn't even think of that as that important. And sometimes the things that our kids didn't think were that important were very important to us. I remember when my son Tyler was about two and a half, three years of age, that I grabbed him one day, and we went down the street to this park. And at this park, there's a tall swing. He so I loved the swings when I was a kid. And so because the swings have these long chains, and there's really not a protective place for kids to sit on those swings, I mean, I'm just afraid if I push my son hard, he's going to fly out of that seat. So what I would do is I would sit in the seat and put him on my lap and, and he would straddle me and be kind of like a spider, we call it spider style. His legs that way, my legs this way. And then I would start to swing. And I would get going way back and way up and way back and way up. In the midst of this, you know, I get to see his facial expressions the whole time and we're just swinging away. And then my son says this, he's only about two and a half years old. He just looks up to me, the big mop of blonde hair. He says, daddy, you're my bestest buddy in the whole world. Now, I can tell you this. I'll bet he does not remember that day. I'll bet he doesn't remember that day. I've never forgotten that day. Sometimes those moments when our, our, our kids think, that wasn't that important, we say, you don't know how important that was to me. And, and it's the same way the other. Sometimes our kids walk away saying, mom and dad, what I remember most is this. And you go, really? Really? In fact, I would, I would ask you parents today, This would make a great lunch conversation. Ask your kids, and I don't care if they're five years old or if they're 35 years old. Ask your kids this, if you never asked them that. When you look back at your childhood, what are are three significant memories that you have? And you might be surprised how spontaneous those events were in your life. I love this song by country western singer um, Trace Atkins. It's called Just Fishing. I want to show you just a little clip of the beginning of that. Um, music video. Watch your screens.
0: I'm lost in her there, holding that pink, rotten reel doing almost everything but sitting still talking about her ballet shoes and training wheels and her kittens and she thinks we're just fishing I say daddy loves you baby one more time she says I know I think Laughing, and cry. we're just
1: Isn't that so true? The memories that our kids will have of the time we took just to invest in them. Well, the last thing we have to do, and this is so critical, and some of you need to hear this today, how do we purposefully use the time God has given us? You have to just trust God. You have to trust God. Just like the farmer that plants the seed that fertilizes the soil, that cultivates the weeds, that sometimes even adds water to make things grow. Even the farmer has to rely upon God to bring the sunshine and the warmth and the bees to pollinate the the, the, the corn and the flowers. He has to rely on all those things that only God can control because we're in really partnership with God. See, these are God's kids and we're stewarding those kids So we get the chance to raise them up, but God's very invested, God loves, in fact, I believe God loves our children more than we do. So he partners with us in this task of raising them up, and oftentimes, over the course of the years, you wonder, am I making any difference? I just want to encourage you parents who are doing those things, making those intentional investments, taking your kids to church, praying with them at night, having spiritual conversations. You might not see the fruit right now, but I want to tell you, there's something happening in the soil underneath. And just like the seed that is watered and fertilized, that seed under the ground will start to sprout and it'll start to shoot out roots. And you don't even see those for, for weeks and sometimes months later. I just want to tell you, sometimes you won't see the fruit until later. You won't see the fruit in your kids' lives until years later. And I mean, sometimes decades later. When they become adults, when they become parents, and all of a sudden, the things you planted in them when they were very young, you say, okay, now I see So I just want to encourage you to trust God because when they get to be 18 and our kids start to move out and they they join the army or they go off to college, you realize, I hope I did a good job with my marbles because I don't have any left. And I hope my child makes it. I hope they survive. And you can't go back and do it over. You just have to trust God that God's doing it. We're going to talk over the, the next few weeks of other ways to invest in our kids. But I love what Reggie Joyner says in the book. And really, we take them this idea from a book called Losing Your Marbles, Playing for Keeps. And in this book, Reggie Joyner says this, the most significant gifts we can give the next generation are what we give them over time. And you know what? Some of you will get bonus time. Our daughter, when she left for college, she's never been home again, never lived with us again. But our son, our son's been to college and He's back at home with us. I would say over the last few years, we've had some of the most significant conversations we've ever had with our son about life, about faith, about relationships. And so maybe you'll get the bonus, but we don't know and we're not guaranteed that time. And so you just have to do your best and then just trust God, that God is in charge and God is gonna work out his plan if we've done our part. And there's grace. This is what I love about time. Time is your friend. Time is a friend who's given you grace. And you may look back and say, I messed up. I didn't do what I should have done those years in the past. Okay, let's just stop right here. How about today? How about this week? How about we as parents, how about we as grandparents make a decision that going forward, I'm going to do things more intentionally, purposefully, prayerfully. And there is grace. In fact, I really believe this, that what you do in the future can erase all the flaws of your past that there's power in God to redeem the time in your child's life. And so it's just very fitting that we close our service with the time of prayer. So I'm gonna invite our prayer partners to come up because many of you have come today and and, uh, you've you've messed up with your kids or you're fearful of your kids and and where they are in their lives. Or maybe you just say, Pastor, I need help. I need God's help. Well, that's why we're here in this church building today to realize I, I need God's help, you need God's help to do this incredible thing of raising our children up to walk with God and so, I'd like, like our prayer partners to come up and be available up front here. We're going to stand and sing this song, Song of Response. If we can pray over you, if we can partner with you in praying for you in whatever situation you are with your kids, your grandkids, and you may even have adult kids that you want to pray for, we're up here to minister with you this morning. So, let's stand and sing. And if you need prayer,
0: Thanks for listening to today's message. Be sure to join us again next time.